0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Morsi Movement. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss and share one aspect of fitness and one aspect of medicine. Being a general surgeon and a garage gym athlete, I have a strong passion for both of these aspects of life. So sit back and enjoy the show. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I am in no way forming a patient-doctor relationship. While the aspects discussed in this podcast are medically accurate, you should always discuss with your doctor any questions that you may have about the content. You should always discuss with your doctor before starting any new exercise or dietary changes. What is up, everyone? This is Dr. Chris Morrissey here back for another episode of the Morrissey Movement. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. I really do appreciate it. So I have a challenge for you. I would like you to share or tell just two of your friends about the podcast. That is all, pure and simple. I'm just trying to grow more listeners and to get more people involved in medicine and fitness, so if you could do that, that would be awesome. So I really appreciate it. This week we're going to talk about contractions and compliance. The contractions I'm referring to is muscle contractions and what different types there are in your aspects of training, not the English terms of combining words together or going into labor. Compliance is something that we as healthcare providers, personal trainers, or just humans in general can all appreciate. So I had another listener write in and ask how we as physicians have our patients adhere to compliance for bettering their health and improving their overall livelihood. So that's one of the topics I'm going to go over today. So thank you for reaching out and giving this suggestion for this podcast. So first off, just real kind of briefly, I'm going to talk about different types of muscle contractions. So I'm sure a lot of you understand these, but for those that aren't medical or fitness professionals, which is my target audience, I'll explain some of these and give some examples about how you can try to incorporate these into your training. So muscle contractions are the activities that cause a muscle to fire or to quote unquote flex there are three different main types of muscle contractions that I'll talk about. So there's isotonic, isometric, and isokinetic. Isotonic contractions is basically where the muscle changes length as it contracts while the load or the resistance stays the same. So most people can understand and visualize a bicep curl, right? So you've got the, you have the dumbbell, kettlebell, barbell in your hand, whatever you're utilizing. So as the weight goes from the lengthened position, which is basically at the bottom of the movement, kind of your arms are sort of next to your thighs or hips, depending on how long your arms are. And then as the weight moves from the lengthened position or the bottom of the movement to the top of the position, which causes the bicep to shorten and moves the weight up and towards your chin, shoulder, pec area, depending on how you're doing your repetitions. So the weight is then lowered back down to the starting position. So that is an isotonic contraction. So there's two subcategories that you can break down the movement even further under the isotonic contraction which are concentric and eccentric. So concentric phase is strictly the muscle that is shortening. So again, the bicep example, when you raise the weight up, you're shortening the muscle, so that is the concentric phase. Um, A pull-up is another uh, entity that people use and this is when the body is raised towards the pull-up bar. So then the other part of this is called the eccentric or the negative part of the lift. So the movement here is when the weight or body is lengthened. So there's a lot of good literature to support the effects of negative training or eccentric training where the weight is lowered under tension much slower, usually on a cadence to better recruit muscle fibers. So by incorporating this, it's just one way if you've got a plateau that you can bust through that in your training if you kind of stall out or you're not making as many gains as you would like. So there's a tons of different types of tempos you can utilize Um, most commonly you might see sets of like four separate numbers so example you may see a three one three one type of tempo so let's use the squat for an exercise for example so the first number three would mean that you lower the weight or squat down taking three seconds to do so so as you're squatting you're thinking to yourself one two three So that is the first part. So in the three, one, three, one, you get to the number one, um, which is the second number in the cadence, which would mean you would pause at the bottom for one second. So instead of going down and just jumping right back up, you'll sit there for a full second before you begin going back up with the weight. So then the next number in the the cadence, which would be the next number three, would mean that you take three seconds to go from the bottom of the squat back into the starting position. So instead of just exploding up you take a full three seconds to really control the weight and move it up. And then the final number, which would be the last number one, would mean that you pause for one second at the top before the next rep starts. So there's tons of different ways you can change this up. You can go for lowering only. So you could do like, say, a four second lowering, no pause at the bottom, explode up, and then no pause at the top. Or you could pause for one to two seconds. It just kind of depends on what you're going for. So... That is the eccentric. Give it a try. If you haven't, it's pretty awesome. It'll kind of wreck you. So you definitely need to lower your weight for this to be able to control and have better movement and better tension under time, so to speak. So the next movement is going to be or contraction type rather is going to be the isometric contraction. So this basically means there is no change in muscle length while the muscle is contracting. So this type of contraction would be like going up to a wall where you... Push against the wall trying to move the wall, so you're doing work, but nothing is moving. So another example on a different spectrum would be carrying an object at your side. So say you pick up heavy sack of groceries, or you know a child, or something like that. If you want to use that as an example, and you're carrying it to a different location, so the contracting muscles actually aren't moving. Um, you may be moving the weight from one location to another, but the muscles that are contracting aren't changing. So another example might be with your grip. So if you're gripping something really firmly, nothing is moving. Like if you're gripping a tennis racket or a baseball bat or something, nothing is moving. You're just Your muscles are contracting and squeezing, but nothing is really happening with that. So um, it's just helping you engage and squeeze uh, on the, the musculature that you're targeting. The final type of contraction would be the isokinetic contraction. So, isokinetic contractions are similar to the isotonic, and that the muscle changes length during contraction. Where they differ is that isokinetic contraction produces movements of a constant speed. So, to measure this, you usually need a special piece of equipment known as an isokinetic dynamometer. So, you may see some of these in like rehab gyms. It's commonly used with like quadriceps where you put your leg underneath a what looks like a leg extension, and you're pushing you're trying to increase your speed against a a set resistance. So another example, maybe in a day-to-day sporting activities are kind of rare, like the best breaststroke in swimming where the water provides a constant even resistance to the movement of adduction. So that's kind of an example of those. So those are the types of muscle contractions. I know that wasn't a whole lot, but for people that don't understand those, you can kind of really change up your your training. So, if you've never done all three of these types, and give them a try. You know, like I said, if you've never done isometric, go push against a wall just really hard. Maybe do for like 20 to 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, just to get a good contraction of the muscles. So, so now that we talked about the muscles, we're going to move on to the other topic of compliance. Um, the definition. Of compliance is the action or fact of complying with a wish or command so the way we see compliance in a patient population would be we would ask them to try to change something about their behavior or health metrics in order to get better and then reassessing them at some sort of time interval so most commonly, generally in medicine, it's usually like three months is what we use. So if someone's starting on a new medication, say a blood pressure medication or blood sugar, cholesterol, take your pick. Um, typically, your physician will have you come back in about three months and check some more lab work or, you know, check your blood pressure, do a finger stick glucose or something like that. So there's a bunch of different ways we can do this. What doesn't always happen is the fact that... Um, lifestyle modification to better enhance the desired outcome. So it's easy to give someone a new medication, but sometimes it's really hard to take the time to say, hey, instead of adding a new medication, let's try weight loss. Let's try dietary changes. Let's try incorporating exercise. Let's try something else so that maybe we can prohibit or prevent you from going on medication. Um, at times, it's way easier just to give a med, um, To but uh, taking time to get to the root cause is somewhat more challenging. So So, again, if someone has high blood pressure but is also overweight, doesn't exercise, has no dedicating eating plan and or smokes, then just prescribing that medication doesn't really address the root cause. It's just trying to prevent the metric that we're measuring. So, this is not always the best option for some people. So, if physicians had more time and also more training, then we may be able to better alter someone's life in addition to medication. So, Depending on the compliance, the patient may end up getting off the medication after weight loss, beginning an exercise program, improving nutrition and smoking sensation, as some examples. So how do we as physicians enforce patient compliance? It is a difficult task. Me as a general surgeon, I often do not really address the above mentioned items since I'm a specialist, and I'm usually evaluating for some sort of operative intervention. I am usually not the primary Person to intervene with this. However, I do discuss these in a lot of my in a lot of my patient encounters. And if they're they are in you know very driven and or very interested in doing this, then I'll set up a separate appointment for them to come back and we can discuss these things. But more often than not, most of the patients are just there to have their gallbladder removed or get a colonoscopy or something. So most of the time, they're not really interested in doing this. But I have had a few people over the years that have expressed interest, and I have worked with them on these different things. So. But just because I can cut doesn't mean I will cut. So the more I've learned about functional medicine, nutrition, and exercise, the more I am trying to intervene. So the fact that I work for a smaller hospital and community, I do have a little bit more time that I can attempt to dedicate to these things. But physicians that are at bigger cities, bigger hospitals, or if they go to multiple facilities during the day, the the doctors are so strapped for time. They only may have 15 to 20 minutes per visit, which a lot of times is not enough to address all these things. And sometimes they have more time, sometimes they have less, depending on what they do. But, you know, looking at us, we're only one side of the coin. So the other side of the coin, where the majority of compliance is placed is on the patient themselves. So we can give all the recommendations in the world, come up with a killer exercise plan, come up with the best eating habits. But if the party that we are working for and trying to help doesn't want to do or doesn't agree what we do, the needle doesn't move at all. So there's only so much that we can do. I am a huge advocate for less is more, meaning making small changes and then moving on from there. So if you ask someone to completely change their entire life schedule and habits, the compliance and success with this will be very small. So, you know, if I have a patient that, you know, is 50 pounds overweight and they smoke, they drink, they have high blood pressure, they have elevated blood glucose, and they are severely out of shape, you know, I'll sit down and address these different things with them. So and then my philosophy is I'm not going to have them change every single one of those things. We will pick say one that is the most important for them and the easiest that they think they can do and then we'll work on that and then we'll come back. So. Patients need to be given the information on why things need to change and then the possible interventions. So if the physician doesn't have time or interest in coming up with this on their own, then we should have some resources to send people to so they can get the help that they need. So me personally, I like the three-week rule. So some resources say it takes anywhere between 21 to 28 times to make something a habit. So again, like I said, start off small. Ask the person Out of all the things they're needing and wanting to change, which one is the most obtainable for them at the beginning, whether it's eating, sleeping, going for a walk. Um, Then once this task becomes a habit, then you move on to the next one. So I like to give them a few options. Start with, say, exercising or drinking more water. Have them rate each of those tasks on the ability to do that from 1 to ten. One being, no way in hell can I do that, to 10 being, yeah, I can totally do that. And then basically you want to choose the higher number. So say they say, oh, you know, can you start exercising, just starting with walking? And they say, yeah, I can do that nine out of 10. No problem. But if you say, hey, I want you to start drinking more water. And they're like, yeah, I'm not very good at that. I'd say that's a four out of 10. So then choose the higher number. So have them start walking, come up with a plan. You know, for instance, say, hey, just put on your shoes, start your stopwatch, go out and walk for 15 minutes. Once he hits 15 minutes, turn around and come back. Do that three times a week. And then each week, you can increase the time, you can increase the mileage, you can, you know, change it up however you want, you can start with some intervals where you're walking faster and then walking slower, a bunch of different ways you can do this. So once that's done, you have them come back in three weeks, talk about the progress or lack thereof, and then you can figure out the next plan of attack and so on. So um, that's just one, you know, instance where we can do that. So as a, a fitness professional, you know, I think compliance is maybe more attainable for some people because they usually seek out and want to do these changes. Whereas if from a physician standpoint, we're trying to add a bunch of different things in and maybe not address everything and may not have as much time to work with these people. So, um, you know, apps is a great way to also track compliance. So, you know, there's like the chronometer app where you can check nutrition. Um, me personally, when I do personal coaching and training, I use the True Coach app, which is awesome. So I can design a program on my computer and then they can pull up the app. They'll get their workout. They can document the reps and sets that they do. They can document the mileage or time depending on the task that they are performing. And then I'll get immediate feedback once they submit it. And then I can, you know, we can chat and text between those two and, you know, encourage them say, hey, that was a great job on those squats today. Or, hey, maybe try improving a little bit on the the length of time while you're walking or whatever you want to do. So just start small and work from there. You know, if you're trying to do this on your own and you don't want any help from anyone, that's totally fine. Just kind of do a really strong selfie evaluation maybe ask a spouse or a friend and just kind of write out your plan for yourself and say hey this is what I think I want to do what do you think about this and then just be realistic with yourself don't you know I've talked about the all or none principle before where people feel they have to do these insane lifestyle changes because they're going to be a better person you know if you go from being sedentary and not hardly moving to try to do the 75 hard or you know jumping right into CrossFit then you're into the number one going to end up with injuries Or number two, you're going to end up with doing it really well for three to four days and then you get completely burned out and you're so sore that you can't even move and you say, screw this and go back to what you were doing. So just be realistic with yourself. This is all, you know, what I like to talk about is the daily over decades, which this is not my phrase. I got this from the garage student athlete community that I'm a part of. So if you want to, you know, join an awesome Group on the internet, best group of humans that I've met. Check them out. I have no sponsorship with them. I have no affiliation other than I do my training from them. So check them out if you'd like more things from that. So, well, I'm kind of cutting a little bit short this week. So, hopefully, that was somewhat helpful for those of you with the specific questions. Please keep them coming. I would rather address topics from you all than me choosing all the time because sometimes, you know, I come up with things that maybe people don't want to hear about. So, by hearing from what you want, then I am more apt to do hopefully better shows for everybody. So, again, thanks a lot for listening this week. Leave up to a five-star review. It really helps the show out a lot to reach more people. And also, like I said, just try to share it with a few friends that you know would benefit from it. And, uh, you know, you can do it on Instagram or tweeting or Facebook or whatever modality that you want to use. So thanks a lot for listening. Get up and get moving. And remember, movement is the best medicine.